5.2 million Canadians juggle a full-time job and helping to care for a loved one who, for whatever health reason, needs some extra support and help in their daily lives. This is, I think, an unbelievably high number. 5.2 million Canadians that are trying to care for a loved one while balancing a full-time job. And that, that in and of itself can be challenging just to manage your own personal needs as well as full-time employment. So add in the layer of trying to take care of someone and then make sure that your emotional cup is filled while trying to take on that challenge. We're going to talk a little bit more about this in depth. But again, I would like to hear from you, Ted Nation, if this is something that you experience in your life and what are some of the challenges that you face while dealing with being a caregiver. Our guest is a social gerontologist at the University of Alberta, Jackie Eels. Jackie, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you very much, Chelsea, for the opportunity. I I mean, I think that this number, Jackie, really speaks for itself. And there are a lot of Canadians that really relate to being a caregiver. Can you break that down a little bit? 5.2 million Canadians doing this? Uh, Yeah, that's 5.2 million people between the ages of 19 and 70. So it's sort of a typical employment age. And about three quarters of them are women and 88% um, are men. So it's, it's really both equal numbers of men and women who are providing that care. Although women tend to do more hours of care. Uh, than men. So if you think about people on top of their paid jobs, women are spending almost four hours more per week on caregiving at around 13.8 hours per week than men who provide about 10 hours per week. So that's on top of their job. So if you think if you're doing a full-time job, five days a week, plus almost two days per week caregiving, when do you have time for yourself? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think about in in my own family experience, you know, my mom was really the caregiver, primary caregiver for my grandma when she was still alive. And, and you know, I think at, at that age, I really took for granted just how challenging that really was. And you talk about being able to take care of yourself. I mean, certainly emotionally, this is this is a drain and there's really no way to, to, to sort of take care of yourself around all of that, those responsibilities, is there? Yeah, no, it, it makes thing, caregiving really difficult. Um, when we, we look at how caregiving impacts relationships, we see that probably about one in three people report that their relationships with family members and friends are strained because of caregiving. And what's more worrisome is that um, the number of people who report that, you know, providing care enhances their relationship with the person that they're providing care to. So they get positive feelings from providing that care. That number's dropped from 75, 74% in 2012 to less than half at 44% in 2018 in six years. So people are really feeling they're doing more care, their relationships are suffering, their health is suffering, and... Um, and this all was all before the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm-hmm. So I expect that situation that situation to be more so now. So what 
what does your research suggest that the best option is? Because on the one hand, you know, I think that if it's family and friends that are caring for their loved ones, that's, that's a good thing. I mean, then that loved one is, you know, is connecting with their family members. They're in a place where they feel safe. They're with people that they know love them rather than going to, uh, say, a, a third party center and being cared for there. But we need policy to make sure that those caregivers are getting support or that the best care is provided if the family chooses to take them to a different place. What's the what's the best approach here? What's the ask? That's a huge question. <laughs> and the and the answer is a little complicated. Uh, a lot of, of people wish to age in place in the community. And in order for them to do that, most will probably require some support from family members or friends to do so. Where it becomes challenging is where the number of hours exceed sort of the, the capacity of that family friend uh, sector, if you can call it that. Sure. Um, so when you, you look at people who are providing more hours of care, that's more than 10 hours a week providing care, those people are at higher risk of um, poor work-life balance. They're at higher risk of reducing their time in the labor force, maybe going from full-time to part-time, or even exiting the labor force. And all of those things have implications for their income, their pension earnings, and and so they can have a cumulative impact. Sometimes people make decisions in the moment about, oh, I'm just going to quit my job because nobody else is available to do it. Sure. And then they assume that they're going to be able to get back into the labor force when their caregiving ends. And then they face issues like they've been out of the workforce for a while. They might be older and trying to return to the workforce. And they have a lot of challenges in re-entering the labor market after caregiving ends. And I would imagine that that if there are EI caregiving benefits, those would be pretty minimal and not exactly something that you could sustain on for, for any length of time, right? That's correct. So the, the benefits available through the employment insurance system are for critical uh, illness, or uh, end-of-life circumstances only. So typically they're not adequate for meeting the ongoing needs of many caregivers. If you are providing end-of-life care um, or critical, killness, uh, critical illness, you can qualify um, for those benefits if you meet certain criteria. And if you qualify, you only get 55% of your income to a maximum cap. So not, yeah, to a maximum cap, I think is the asterisk yeah. there is that you're not, <laughs> you're not really going to be taking home very much. No. This, is, this is something that I think is so important to focus on, Jackie, because when you break down this 5.2 million number, I mean, that equates to one in four Canadians that's, yeah. that's of working age. That's a caregiver yeah. and, and more than likely taking care of an aging parent. It doesn't seem like there's really a clear answer in terms of how to provide support or care. I mean, this is a pretty layered and, and nuanced issue, isn't it? It's very layered and very nuanced. So I think public policy, strengthening public policy um, and access to um, things that are going to either keep people tied to the labor market or 
compensate them for the care that they're providing are important. But employers also have a role to play in providing flexibility in the workplace, providing compassion in the workplace, and understanding how prevalent caregiving is among their employees. Jackie, thank you so much for your work on this and uh, for sharing some of this information with us. Really appreciate it. You're my pleasure. Jackie Eels is a social gerontologist out of the University of Alberta talking about millions of Canadians trying to balance full-time jobs and unpaid support for loved ones.